How might the Pirates handle the loss of another starter? And which Cubs might gain value with the addition of a DH slot? Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three cold brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Thursday, June 4th. I'm Al Melkier. I am here with Michael Beller. And Michael, we actually have a couple of pieces of news to to dig into for today's show. So uh, let's just get right to it. And the first uh, order of business here is talking about the latest update on the uh, back and forth between the owners and the players union uh, in terms of plans for a 2020 season. No surprise here, but Major League Baseball has rejected the players union proposal for a 114 game season. And uh, they are reportedly not intending to counter offer that proposal. And direct from a tweet from Joel Sherman of the New York Post, I'm just going to read directly from it. Um, the owners are sitting on essentially implementing a 48 to 54 game season for full prorated salaries or an 82 ish game season at less than prorated. So, uh, Mike, I'm, Michael, I'm just going to throw the question to you that I throw to you every time that we, uh, you know, update uh, this this issue here. Does this make you uh, more or less uh, optimistic about a 2020 season happening? You know, I still want to believe that this is all purely negotiating, but it feels like the owners almost don't even want to play this season. It feels like they're staking out positions that will force there to be no 2020 season. And obviously we haven't seen the books. We don't know if there are claims of they're losing money every single game and the more games they play, the more money they're going to lose, uh, whether they're true, whether they're not. And, you know, we'll never know if that's the case. But even if that's the case, this is just incredibly disheartening. And, yeah, I don't want to sit here and waste our whole time talking about this, but yeah, NBA's coming back. The NHL's coming back. NFL looks like they're going to be able to start right on time. And Major League Baseball is just letting this 2020 season get away, and they're going to have no one to blame but themselves and but the owners if that ends up being the case. And it's a real shame, Al, because it's a great sport. It's a sport we love. It's a sport that's filled with a lot of good people. But I'm 35 years old, and I'm surrounded by big sports fans in my life, and I can tell you which of the sports is their least favorite, and it is baseball without question. And if this happens like this, it's just going to be a real Real shame for for the sport and for this uh, for this huge organization. So I hope the owners let a little bit of their avarice go here and get this sport on the field in 2020. Yeah, uh, you've got a lot of company uh, in that, including on this particular uh, podcast. <laughs> uh, you know, so uh, we're all certainly hoping that uh, it'll be worked out in, in an equitable way. We'd love to have baseball back, but we'd love to have baseball back, you know, the right way. And uh, this goes back and forth. I mean, in a way, it sort of reminds me of reporting on winter meetings when, you know, on day one, you know, player X is ready to sign with the Angels. And on day two, you know, there's three different teams. And, you know, they, on day four, they sign with a, a team that wasn't even reported before. So mm-hmm. this just changes constantly. And, um, well, I have to admit to being pretty pessimistic given the time frame that uh, an agreement needs to happen in. Uh, and how far apart they are. And, you know, as you alluded to, Michael, that, um, you know, the owners are not acting as if getting a season uh, happening is, is their top priority. Things can change. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, we have another 
piece of news to uh, to take a look at here. And this is a, a, unfortunate for Chris Archer. He's not going to pitch in 2020. He had surgery for neurogenic thoracic outlet syndrome. So uh, he will not be cleared to throw for at least six months of the timetable uh, that's been given is six to eight months. And I've seen it mentioned in more than one place that he may have already thrown his last pitch for the Pittsburgh Pirates because the team has $11 million option, $11 million option for 2021 that they just may decide to forego and, um, and buy him out. And uh, that would put Chris Archer on the free agent uh, market. So, you know, there's obviously when, when we have any sort of news like this from a fantasy perspective, we have at least two angles to pursue. And one is when a, a player is out for the season, what does this do in terms of um, their keepability for uh, keeper dynasty formats? And then what's the collateral impact for the, the players that may fill the void? So let's uh, start with the, the first of those. Uh, in what scenarios do you see Archer being somebody you would want to keep uh, in, in a keeper league? Uh, you know, how many keeper spots would you need to have? Could you just not even foresee it in the, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the deepest dynasty leagues where you might be able to keep a lot of players? Is it somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I could take the former, and you can uh, you can pretty much take the latter, unless you strongly disagree with what I'm about to say here. I think he's almost unkeepable. I think it has to be a situation where you have just a ton of keepers, and you're not really deciding player A versus player B, or you're not deciding it's not an auction format. And you know, Chris Archer's already costing you uh, throwing a random number out there seventeen dollars this year. It's going to cost you seventeen next year to keep. I think it has to be a scenario where you can basically just keep whoever you want, and everyone costs the same. Something like that, because. This is a really bad surgery, and hate to see it happen uh, to a guy like Chris Archer, uh, who you know all the talent in the world, and just for whatever reason has never been able to put it all together for a full season or for an extended period of time. It's been uh, really disheartening and unfortunate to see for him. I would love to see this guy harness the full uh, ability, full potential of his abilities uh, that we've seen for so long now, uh, going back to his earliest days in the majors. But the one guy who comes to mind for me always when we're talking about. Thoracic outlet is uh, Tyson Ross, a guy who you know, I really loved, and a guy who did have you know some really good seasons and some really good moments across multiple seasons. Uh, but after the surgery, was just clearly never the same. And it's hard to imagine Chris Archer coming back and being uh, the same. And then you have to remember that even if we are talking about a guy who is the same, it's a guy who has been up and down, who has never quite fully lived up to his potential, who has had some gaudy strikeout rates, but has also dealt with control issues, dealt with homer issues. So you're not even getting back to an elite level starter or even a reliable, you know, number two level starter. So I hate to see it. I hate for, um, us to be having a discussion like any player uh, along these lines and certainly a player like Chris Archer along these lines, but I just don't see any way that he is keepable in 2021. I would tend to agree with you. Uh, I think it's more, it's less about what I expect from him going forward than it is that I, I think that the perception because uh, with the pirates, he just hadn't been as effective as he had been with the Rays. That I think there's a perception that, you know, if you dumped him back out to use your your valuation, you know, dumped him back out uh, at a $17 price and uh, you, you've got an auction next year on, on all the free agents in your league, um, I, I think he would cost less than that. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. just top of mind, I'm thinking with all the uncertainty that's out there uh, that, you know, maybe he'd be a $10 pitcher. Maybe, maybe he'd be less. And there's uncertainty on multiple levels. 
do you, does he get back to that upside he displayed with Tampa Bay or you know do do we get the worst version of Chris Archer does he have a recovery like you say like uh, Tyson Ross or Matt Harvey or does he fare better because there have been a number of pitchers who have come back from uh thoracic outlet syndrome surgery who you know who have uh been okay when they returned and I'm no, I, don't, I was gonna say I'm no expert on this. Uh, I'm far from it. I know you know very little <laughs> about this procedure, um, but I think this is in the piece on the Athletic from uh, Rob uh, Beer Temple that uh, where somebody was quoted as saying it's not really analogous to the procedure that Matt Harvey had. Um, so I guess there's there's different you know ways that this procedure is done, dealing with different uh, you know different uh, bones or different parts of the body. So. Um, you know, it's, it's just, a, a complete wild card in terms of what sort of, uh, performance we should look, look to get from Chris Archer next year. And I think that that, that uncertainty probably means that you can, you know, you can, uh, cut them and, and try to try to get them back. And, and, you know, maybe you, you get that good version of, uh, of Chris Archer. Yeah, I mean, that's really all that's left to, to decide here. And then I guess uh, when you're looking at the Pirates that are still here, um, I would like to see them go a non-traditional route. I would like to see them go uh, with uh, trying some things out. They're not going to be a good team this year. And if we get a year, it's going to be um, an experimental year, a year where uh, you could just get hot for a couple of months and play your way into the playoff. But the Pirates are not going to be a good team this year. And I think they should go experimental rather than trying to fill Archer's spot with a traditional starter. Well, let's let's explore that because um... – also in Rob's piece, he does talk about uh, how the the Pirates might fill those innings. And uh, so Rob mentions uh, Stephen Brault, who uh, certainly if we had a season starting earlier, uh, he would not have been available to be in the rotation due to a shoulder strain that he came down with in spring training. Chad Cool, who's been working his way back from Tommy John surgery. And JD, JT Brubaker, who I think we've talked about on the podcast before because he's been a real standout in our um, out-of-the-park uh, athletic alternate universe. And that was really something that put him much more on my, my radar. Um, but in Rob's piece, he's also Brubaker's also cited as somebody who could be called upon to, uh, to fill that role. I, I actually, that's probably not accurate. It's just somebody that Rob mentions in the piece. And I think the implication is that that Brubaker maybe could take care of some of those innings. But I think the more impactful thing here, uh, Michael, I think that you were hinting at just a moment ago is that Ben Charrington was saying that however they fill those those innings that it may be through a, a non-traditional role and that was left open-ended does that mean somebody you know are they going to have an opener and then have somebody like Cool or Brubaker or Brault come in as a a follower uh, or bulk reliever whatever you want to call that role uh, it doesn't mean they go you know six starters um, you know hard to say but I think what you can definitely read into that is that whichever these pitchers maybe uh, gets a more prominent role that it may not be so prominent that it's really going to elevate them in terms of, of fantasy value. So uh, tossing it back to you, Michael, uh, is there any one of that trio or anybody that neither Rob nor I mentioned that uh, you think would be worth looking at, even if it wasn't really a full-time starting role? 
You know, I hate to say no, but the answer is no. I mean, Joe Musgrove, <laughs> Mitch Keller, those are the pitchers I'm interested in on this team. Keone Kila, obviously, and that's it. And, you know, we'll see if one of these guys ends up being someone who we talk about in a waiver wire column on a waiver wire show at some point in the uh, 2020 season. That feels like it's almost for sure not going to happen. But uh, until then, I think all we got to worry about here is uh, Musgrove, Keller, and Kila. Yeah, uh, I, I'm pretty much on board with that. Uh, I'm a little intrigued by each of them, especially Cool and Brubaker, but. Um... Yeah, yeah. Those are guys who show you that in season, not guys you really need to worry about before the season. Yeah, well put. The Last Dance documentary has brought up the ongoing debate that no one will ever win. Is Michael Jordan the GOAT? Is LeBron the GOAT? One thing we do know for sure is Manscaped is the GOAT for men's grooming. For GOAT's grooming, you're going to have to go elsewhere. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. Manscaped is forever changing the game in grooming with their Perfect Package 3.0 Essentials Kit. The Perfect Package 3.0 Kit comes with the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0 water-resistant cordless body trimmer, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for you to use when we're done quarantining. Subscribers to the Peak Hygiene Plan get a new replacement blade refill for your Lawn Mower trimmer delivered to your door every three months making sure your trimmer always stays fresh and clean. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC. Moving on to the Cubs, and we've, from time to time, thought about who might benefit from Universal DH. We haven't, we haven't checked in on the Cubs as far as that discussion goes. So a lot of candidates there uh, that... Otherwise, wouldn't without a DH might be NL only options at best. Anybody that you see getting elevated in value with that uh, extra hitter in the lineup? I think Steven Souza is the one who would gain the most. Uh, Kyle Schwarber is going to play every day for this team. DH, no DH. Kyle Schwarber's in there every day. So don't automatically think him because of this perception uh, that he can't play the outfield, which is already a wrong perception. He's a totally passable corner outfielder, and that's really all you need out of a corner outfield spot anyway. Kyle Schwarber's going to be in there every single day. It's David Bodie. Nico Horner, I could see maybe even Ian Happ getting extra ABs because of this because you know maybe against lefties they would want to put Albert Almora in center and then there's not necessarily a spot for Ian Happ. Do they trust him at second base? So I could see Ian Happ being a beneficiary, but I think the biggest is going to be Steven Souza. It just feels like he should be playing a lot against lefties now no matter what, whether it's in the outfield or in the DH spot. Steven Souza to me stands out as a big one. And then one interesting one that maybe you wouldn't necessarily think about right off the bat is Victor Caratini. Because these teams are going to have flexible rosters and they're going to be able to keep more than two catchers, I think, if they want. And the Cubs have a few guys who they could go down to, the most obvious one being Josh Fegley, uh, who wasn't expected to break with the 26-man roster uh, had the season started on time. But now that you're going to have these expanded rosters with taxi squads, he's going to be on that. And if they can play a little bit with their catchers, then I wouldn't be surprised to see Victor Caratini get some some playing time at the DH spot. And we're already thinking about him, especially in two catcher leagues as someone who you're going to be going after him. He's going to get drafted in pretty much every two catcher league because he does enough with his playing time behind Wilson Contreras that he is an attractive guy in two catcher leagues. If he's supplementing that with DH time, then he becomes maybe even a little bit more intriguing than that. So he's someone who I would maybe bump up my rankings just a little bit because I do think he's going to factor into the DH mix for this team. I just think they're going to want to try to find ways to get his bat in the lineup alongside 
Contreras. I mean, last year he hit 266, 348, 447 with 11 homers and 279 plate appearances. I mean, that's a useful bat. And so when you're a team that has a very top-heavy offense, Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez, Wilson Contreras, Kyle Schwarber, and then you know, you can't, you're not really sure what to expect from the rest of the offense on a day-to-day basis. A guy like that, you want to try to find ways to get his bat in the lineup, but Wilson Contreras has to play. The only other place he can play is first base. Anthony Rizzo has to play. And so this DH spot, I think the Cubs would be wise to be uh, creative in using it because of the way that Caratini was a pretty uh, consistent hitter for them last year. So when you uh, don't have any screaming obvious options, we were talking about Steven Souza, David Bodie, um, I mentioned Ian Hatt maybe getting extra at-bats if they throw Albert Almora in, but that means you've got Albert Almora's bat in the lineup also, which is not necessarily something the Cubs want to do too much. I think they would be fools to not look at extra ways to get Caratini involved. I'll tell you the two other players I thought of. One is Aaron Perez, but I'm not sure he's really got fantasy value because he just hasn't stolen much the last couple mm-hmm. of years. But the guy who really intrigues me is Robo Garcia, and I just don't know if there's a path with the depth that the Cubs have for him to really yeah. get a legitimate shot. Yeah, I think that's a, a good guy to look at too. But when we're sitting here and talking about it right now, I think we're talking about guys, we got to be thinking about guys who you are going to want to jump on right at the start of your seasons, right? And Robel Garcia is another one of those guys who shows it to you in season, not someone who you necessarily take the chance on out of season. And I think Caratini yeah. and Sousa are two guys who fit that take a chance on before the season starts mold that we're looking for here. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. And I, you know, certainly there's a lot to like with uh, both of those hitters. So uh, something to think about. And, you know, hopefully this is something that we actually get to really uh, act on um, with a, a season uh, coming up. But again, we'll be on top of that for the next few days. Uh, longer, I suppose, if it, if it takes longer. Uh, I do want to return to a um, topic that uh, DVR and I broached uh, briefly on Uh, Wednesday's episode, which is, um, of course, the uh, ongoing uh, demonstrations, protests, uh, the ongoing situation with uh, racial justice, police brutality. And there are a number of pieces uh, in The Athletic right now that um, relate to this, uh, especially as it relates to um, African-American players in the major leagues. And so another one that we're going to highlight here is a featured read uh, compiled by Ken Rosenthal and Doug Glanville. Uh, a conversation retired African-American MLB players on race, baseball, America. Um, not always an easy thing to read, but a very good thing to read. So I, I do uh, do highly recommend that. And uh, on that note, we're going to wind up this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. And uh, we'll be, uh, be back on Friday. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melchior, and we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.